Hi, welcome to the exam room. I'm Dr. Neil Barnard, and I'm delighted to have you with us today. Today, we are going to talk about one of the biggest nutrition myths that we have, and that is eggs for health. Uh, for many, many years, people have been eating eggs for breakfast. You cannot go into a restaurant for breakfast without it being central to the menu. Uh, doctors and scientists have been concerned about eggs. They've got cholesterol. They've got more cholesterol than any other food. There is as much cholesterol or more in a single egg than there is in an eight-ounce steak. And in 2015, all of this blew up because the egg industry had been doing studies to try to assert that the cholesterol you eat doesn't matter. Yeah, you're eating it, but it won't get into your blood. That's what they said, and a lot of people believed that. There are, In fact, to this day, you'll hear people say, I heard eggs are okay, aren't they? Well, they're not okay, and today we're going to tackle that, and this is going to be a really exciting program. Uh, we're going to look at eggs, what they do, which uh, diseases they fuel, but also, if you're a little bit concerned, what do you eat instead? So join weight loss champion Chuck Carroll as he learns how to replace a dozen eggs with a dozen easy and healthy plant-based substitutes. Uh, it's going to be a fun show today. Thanks for listening. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you on Twitter at Chuck Carroll WLC. That's also good for Instagram. Give that a follow. Lots of pretty pictures there. The Physicians Committee also on Instagram. And uh, follow them on Twitter at PCRM. And, of course, go on Facebook and like as well. Plenty of fun information on there for all of you nutrition nuts. Today's show all about the egg. It's a breakfast staple, but should we be eating that? And that's the question I pose to registered dietitian and friend of the show, Maggie Neola. Welcome back, Maggie. Thank you. Uh, you grew up in a, in a house. Did you grow up vegan? No, I did not. I ate plenty of eggs growing up. Okay, so this is this is you're you're just like everyone else. You're like me. I mean, they were a breakfast staple on the weekends. It was scrambled eggs. Matter of fact, my mom will tell a story of me dragging a stool up to the stove when I'm like four or five and cooking my own eggs because, and I love you, mom, she just couldn't cook. Like bottom oh, no. line, I mean, these, these eggs were just super dry and turns out I really shouldn't have been eating them anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was cooking my own. Long story short, breakfast staple. But should they be, Maggie? Should they be? You know, they, they. I just wanted to go back and talk about that that memory for a quick second. Yeah. So I remember trying to learn how to make my own eggs, and, and you know, it's really important. Every chef needs to know how to make eggs, whether it's scrambled or hard boiled, um, fried, whatever it is. And that was like, if you know how to make your eggs, you're solid. Right. But let's let's challenge that and really think through if you know how to cook without eggs. That's next level. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So. That comes later in life. Um, real quick, uh, I guess one of the questions I was curious, you were just talking about cooking them scrambled or mm -hmm. easy, whatever. Um, is there any type of egg, I guess, that's safer to eat than another as far as like how it's prepared? Does it matter if it's scrambled? Is, you know, really, what, what's, what's the score there? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, definitely... It's important to not have raw eggs. Sure. Don't, <laughs> um, don't be rocky. Do not be rocky. No, because that risk for salmonella is real, um, mm -hmm. especially for certain populations. Right. Um, but in general, there's much safer sources of the vitamins and minerals and proteins um, that are in eggs. 
So you can get those elsewhere. So uh, poached eggs, then pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Dr. Barnard had a full blog on that up on the website. You know, oh, it was wow. like, do not eat runny eggs. I was like, no problem. I don't eat eggs at all now, sir. So <laughs> runny or otherwise. Safe. Um, one of the things that we hear a lot about eggs um, is that they are just loaded with cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Being the nutritionist, really, how much cholesterol is in one egg? Right. So one egg, which includes the yolk and the white, mm-hmm. um, contains over 200 milligrams of cholesterol, one large egg. Right. Um, interestingly enough, the there's about five grams of total fat. And half of that, or a third of that, excuse me, is saturated. Mm. You might think like, oh, it's only like five grams, which means there's only a couple grams of saturated fat. But then the unsaturated fat, so the other two thirds, is mostly coming from omega-6 fatty acids, which are this inflammatory type of fat. Right. Um, So most of the fat that's in an egg isn't necessarily health promoting anyway. Um, And then 200 milligrams of cholesterol used to be what the limit was per day for someone to consume here in the U.S. The the latest dietary guidelines, however, from 2015, the last about five years, Mm -hmm. um, those actually recommend not necessarily, there's not necessarily a number that's a limit. It just says keep it limited, keep Mm -hmm. it low, because it recognizes that cholesterol is not a necessary nutrient. Our bodies make our own cholesterol. Right. So you don't need to consume it, and it's better not to. Um, that's just a safer way to, to avoid it. <laughs> is, is there more cholesterol in the yolk versus the egg white? All of it is in the yolk. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Because I know people, you know, they will pick up the egg whites. They come in the little carton in the store, and mm-hmm. they assume that this is healthier. But I would assume also, though, that the egg whites probably still something that you're going to want to avoid. Right. And even the whites, like, yes, they have some minerals in them um, and virtually no fats, mostly just protein. But it's an animal protein and lacks fiber. Both the yolk and the white have no fiber whatsoever. And that's one of the most important nutrients for for us to focus on for prevention of chronic diseases and reversal. That's a good segue right here because I know that there have been multiple studies now that have linked uh, egg consumption to heart disease. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a serious problem right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely multiple studies, meta-analysis. The Atherosclerosis Journal has studies talking about increased risk for heart disease and diabetes. Um, So basically what happens is the more eggs you eat, the higher your risk. Mm -hmm. And you can look that coronary artery calcium score and if that's increased that's a major indicator for an increased risk for heart disease and they've shown studies that the more eggs you eat the higher that risk when you're working uh, with patients say you have a new patient walk through the door and they're kind of going over their menu um, are they surprised when, when you actually break down what's in an egg and kind of the adverse things that can happen to them if they keep eating them on the regular Definitely. Um, Most people have a feeling, okay, I shouldn't be eating like red meat and maybe I should limit other meats and fish, but eggs, like it's just a taboo kind of thing to bring up. We're like, should I eat them? Should I not? Oh my gosh, I really shouldn't be eating them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely more on the controversial side. Do they have any idea? Because I know that it's not just heart disease and and cholesterol. I, I believe they're also tied to diabetes. Right, right. So the interesting part is that heart disease and diabetes are often go hand in hand. Um, they're very related in terms of what's going on in your body with mm-hmm. blood flow. Uh, so you can imagine that the same issues that are going on with, you know, 
increasing cholesterol, um, increasing your risk for heart disease, are also going to have an adverse effect on how well you manage your blood glucose levels. And uh, I guess, you know, we were talking about um, heart disease. Uh, that then would increase the risk of stroke as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So your arteries are throughout your entire body. It's not just around your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine any plaque buildup, whether it's in the vessels of your eye or um, your fingertips or your toes or the, your arteries leading up to your brain, which mm-hmm. if that gets clogged, is a very high risk for stroke. So yes, that would still have the same impact. <laughs> um, so we, we hit those, but the the scarier thing, I think for a lot of people though, is cancer. People obviously want to avoid things that, that promote cancer mm-hmm. from occurring. Um, I did not realize this until relatively recently is that there is also a correlation between eggs and various forms of cancer. Right. Um, National Institutes of Health has even shown increased risk for prostate cancer in men. Mm -hmm. Um, Even just two and a half eggs per week can increase your risk for prostate cancer. So, uh, What other foods are, are linked to that? Because I believe red meat is, is a big one for prostate cancer. Dairy is a big one. Dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Dairy showing, I think there's been studies showing like two or three servings a day can increase your risk for prostate cancer. Um, so that going back to like really thinking we have to drink three glasses of milk uh, is not helpful when it comes to prostate cancer prevention. I mean, so I would imagine then your new patients, they come in and you're just kind of ruining breakfast for them because they have their eggs. And often for me growing up, there was also that big glass of milk. Mm-hmm. And cheese on top. And cheese, <laughs> naturally. Um, Maybe a yogurt parfait on the side. <laughs> of course, you know, just you couldn't escape the dairy. But I mean, that's just such a a wake up call for so many people because we are taught, Maggie, that that is a healthy breakfast. Mm-hmm. Is there a light bulb that goes off with your patients or does it really take some coddling, some hand holding to walk them through like, hey, this is why you really want to adjust your eating habits. Right. So I think the the first, once they're kind of like, okay, I see why this may not be health promoting, but what now what do I eat? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the biggest question you're going to get. It's like, so if I can't, if I'm not going to eat this because I don't want to increase my risk for these chronic diseases, what can I eat instead? Right. You know, do you... Do I just grab this like smoothie or protein bar or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, instead? Or are there other options? And so the fun part is going, you know, being able to talk about what all the options are, whether it's oatmeal or tofu scramble, yeah, <laughs> um, sweet potatoes, all sorts of fun things. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have Sierra on the show uh, in in just a little while. She's gonna go through a bunch of substitutes to kind Great. of um, give you guys an idea of, of what uh, you may want to choose instead of the incredible inedible egg, as we say. Yeah. Um, is there one particular meal that you recommend more than another for patients? Just Or is there something that they gravitate toward? You said oatmeal is a big one for breakfast. Do people just like, okay, well, oatmeal's easy. I'm going to go to that instead of eggs. Or mm-hmm. is there something else that they, they're like, man, I, I got to get aboard the grit train or something like that? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. I think it's interesting to suggest oatmeal because sometimes uh, people have a negative reaction towards, like they remember this like dry like tub of oats you know that you'd find it like sure. a hotel breakfast bar <laughs> um Love but those continental breakfasts right? right so when when if i do tend to suggest oatmeal just because it's a cholesterol lowering food it's mm-hmm. fantastic um rich in soluble fiber but if 
If I can help them reshape what they think about oatmeal or try a different grain in the morning, whether it's buckwheat or quinoa, like as a hot cereal, Mm -hmm. um, that's one approach because they're really loaded in B vitamins and fiber. All those whole grains are an excellent swap. Um, And if they're like, no, I just don't really like the hot cereal thing, I suggest overnight oats, which Mm -hmm. is really just putting that non-dairy milk of sort um, with with your oats um, the night before and putting that in the fridge and it softens it and it's really good you don't have to cook it you don't have to heat it up you just throw in some blueberries and cinnamon or whatever fruit that you like maybe pumpkin pie spice instead (laughs) very fancy very fancy it's how i roll uh so and then you've got a really good breakfast that you can take with you uh to work or wherever you're going in a little mason jar plastic container, whatever it is, and you're done. It's so easy. One of the best things about working here is that once a month we have oatmeal breakfast. Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't know if you've ever come down to the second floor where this studio is. Uh, You work up on the fourth floor uh, Mm -hmm. in the Barnard Medical Clinic uh, Center, rather. And um, but on that Tuesday evening, right before everybody leaves that night, I mean, they just get out this enormous bowl. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating that much that it's the size of this desk you know and they just fill it with oats and i i believe almond milk or soy milk or something like that and then they try to cram it into the fridge mm-hmm. now, coincidentally we also get the fridge purge email right before this as well <laughs> but i mean it's just incredible how they do that and i mean people just swoop in here mm-hmm. wednesday morning for that it goes fast mm-hmm. because it's so good so good. They I, they sweeten it with, um, I believe, dried Turkish apricots instead. Um, they're really delicious, and it, and it really makes it have a, a good flavor. Turkish apricots. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever had a Turkish apricot. You can find them. It, it, it tastes different <laughs> than a regular apricot, I assume? Yes, it does. Uh, it might even be Turkish figs, now that I think about it. It's one or the other. It's okay. a dried fruit that you can use. Um, any dried fruit really works well if you're trying to sweeten an overnight oats. Um, and allow it to uh, not have to actually add added sugar. Sure. Uh, the egg myth is the topic here on the Exam Room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Registered dietitian Maggie Neola is my guest. And I want to circle back to the eggs because that is, again, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. Maggie. Um, another one that's really big when you go to the store, you see organic eggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, to me, it seems like kind of a common sense answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Are they any healthier? Do they pose any less danger than a traditional or a conventional egg? Right. So, I mean, you can look, think about it d- different ways. So organic or cage-free, whatever the marketing gimmick is on the front of that carton. Um, honestly, it's more protective of the actual chicken or the laborers that take care of the chickens than it is in promoting the, the health aspects of the egg. Mm. Um, so... Either way, chickens are still going to be in crowded areas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's not necessarily beneficial in the long run. Marketing. I, I mean, marketing is behind everything, whether it's the egg industry or the dairy industry or mm-hmm. you know, the, the meat industry, the beef industry, the beef council. Um, yeah. I, I mean, these are these are powerful, powerful lobbies. And that's why we do know or, or we are taught rather growing up that uh, milk is healthy and eggs are healthy. And Yeah. And, and I would encourage people too to look into how eggs are actually um created right so like what happens how do people take care of this these chickens um Mm -hmm. really look into it and find out for yourself 
I know that uh, we have some resources for that up on our website, pcrm.org. Really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And that's a topic that we could certainly go down um, uh, another another time. I think uh, I, I will end with this is watching uh, the documentary Food, Inc. Have you seen that one? It's been a while, but yeah. They did that whole segment about the conditions for the chickens um, that, that lay the eggs and then are you know slaughtered. Um, mm-hmm. It was traumatizing i yeah. mean there's no other way to put it it was traumatizing yep definitely true <laughs> yeah all right maggie neola thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk okay. about eggs with absolutely. us absolutely thank Pre- you for having me appreciate it uh real quick social media do you do anything you on the twitters the instagrams i do have a twitter yeah. at kitchen canvas rd kitchen canvas are you posting up your recipes because like I'm, I'm picturing like all sorts of fancy things there that is a nice twitter <laughs> handle there <laughs> thank you i merged my art and nutrition passions into one twitter rumor handle. has it you're also a dancer you do the salsa coach? i do i help i help teach it's really you. fun <laughs> Look at you. you're a renaissance woman i love that about you <laughs> thanks all right maggie neola you're listening to the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee You're continuing to listen to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you. Give the show a nice follow on Twitter at PCRM. And if you're streaming this at PCRM.org slash podcast, I would also encourage you to hop onto iTunes and subscribe to this show. And if I might be so bold as to ask you to also give it a five-star rating, I would really appreciate it. We want to get as many eyes and ears on this show as possible. We're trying to do some good in the world, and we could use your help. Now, somebody that is also doing some good in the world and has literally changed her life is Chris Markarian. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chuck. It is phenomenal having you here. I met you a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Physicians Committee's leadership summit in downtown washington dc and you came right up to me didn't know me from adam and we just struck up a conversation and you were telling me all about your success and i was just floored i was like who is this woman she needs to come on the show so you have such a wonderful personality but more than that you have such a wonderful story and i think you know our listeners would really be inspired by the changes that you've made in your life because you really have given yourself quite the overhaul haven't you I sure have um it's it's it started you know with uh, a metro ride and and a look at the free express paper and it's never been the same since (laughs) okay so you open up the paper people don't know this story you look in the express what do you see I see this half-page ad um, for the Physicians Committee Mm -hmm. for Responsible Medicine on they're conducting a research study on the effects of a low-fat vegan diet on metabolism and weight loss. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, what do I have to lose, pun intended? I mean, I've done, um, I've been in one other research study before, um, and it wasn't anything like what this turned out to be. I mean, it was life-changing. So why were you feeling the need to change at that point? Well, I mean, I had, for most of my life, I'd been pretty fit. I mean, I played field hockey in high school. I played soccer. Um, I was a former group fitness instructor. Um, but since my mom has been, you know, in her later years and not well, and I've been in a kind of caregiving role, as I'm sure many of your listeners can can relate to, I started to 
you know, not take as good care of myself as I had in the past. And I had been doing some, you know, extra indulging in pints of ice cream and things like that. And I had put on some unwanted pounds. It, was there a tipping point for you when you were flipping it at that express? Was there one thing, one event that said, hey, I need to make this change right now? Or was it just kind of a cumulative thing for you that it that it occurred over time? For me, there was, I guess it kind of built up over time, but, you know, I just kind of woke up one morning and said, it's time, you know? Did you know when you woke up that morning that it was time? I mean, I knew as soon as I read it that I was going to call because, first of all, I was familiar with the Physicians Committee. Mm -hmm. I had been a member since 2014, and I had done um, one of those um, summits that they do online with a lot of medical doctors, and Dr. Barnard uh, had participated in that. So I knew... It was, you know, legitimate and and scientific, and I trusted PCRM implicitly. So that was without a doubt. Um, and I knew it was a lifestyle change, and I thought, you know, I've done low-fat, I've done, you know, Jenny Craig, I've done all those kinds of things, and I thought, this is it. The kicker was, was I going to be in the control group or was I going to be in the group that got to follow the vegan diet that uh, see now that that is the question did you tell them like i need to be in the actual diet group no, did, no? i didn't you, say you that but you didn't lobby i didn't lobby and it was it was all computer generated right i mean they didn't know right after the at the beginning you get your baseline stuff measured you know you come here and you um they do you fasting blood sugar and resting metabolic rate and DEXA scan and then you open this envelope and it has your name or it has your has your number mm -hmm. and um, it tells you whether you're going to be in the control group or not and I was just it that was probably <laughs> one of the best days of my life um, so was it difficult for you when you um, showed up and, and they started they had you step on the scale and you started to see some of these numbers was that really an eye-opener for you in terms of how much I weighed? Yeah. Just like, did it really kind of give you some perspective or had you been stepping on the scale and kind of monitoring where you were? I'd been stepping on the scale and monitoring. Um, but also to be honest, you know, once I knew I was going to be at, have a chance of being in this study, mm -hmm. I probably even continued to eat a little bit more yeah. Yeah. because I knew, okay, now I'm not going to be able to have traditional ice cream right. if I get into the study. Right. Um, so yeah, the numbers were sobering and, and, you know, it's, it's funny that you say like, you knew that you were going to be doing this study. So you started to eat more now before I knew anything about plant-based dieting and going vegan, you know, I made the decision to undergo weight loss surgery and they, they tell you, I was like, all right, well, your surgery is this date and you need to stop eating by this date is think like three days beforehand. And then you kind of go on liquids. Um, but I remember, man, it was like, it was time to eat, you know, my farewell meal. I don't know if you remember <laughs> this, but I can tell you my farewell meal was, um, 18 inches worth of cheesesteaks and a bucket of fries. And I'm not talking about like a large fry. I mean, like you go in there and they got like small, medium, large, 
jumbo and that great big old bucket. And that's what I ordered, the great big old bucket of fries. And that was my farewell to fast food and uh, an unhealthy garbage and, you know, kind of never looked back from that. But did you have that, that final supper, as it were? It was actually Valentine's Day 2017 because the way the study worked was um, it started on, I think our first meet was Wednesday, February 8th. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Dr. Barnard said, okay, you're going to be all in. But for the first week, I mean, they brought in, the hardest thing was going to be for me to give up my coffee. Right. I thought, oh my God, my coffee is never going to be the same. But So that first week they did a taste test of all these like oat milk, rice milk, soy milk, um, but we didn't have to be 100% all in until I think it was the 15th mm-hmm. that went that following Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that Tuesday night was Valentine's Day and we had our, you know, Valentine's dinner. Honestly, Chuck, I don't even remember what we had, but that was my <laughs> last hurrah. Um, so it's a 16 week study. How, how quickly did you start to notice some changes? I mean, right away. I mean, almost instantaneously. I mean, the pounds started coming off one two pounds you know you want to do a safe weight loss which is not to exceed one to two pounds a week but like every week I lost at least a pound if not two pounds sometimes three pounds um you know as the time went on but within the first month my female co-workers were noticing and saying you know what are you doing you know you're, you're losing so much weight your clothes are so loose you know you need to get new clothes and the men in my office were saying you know gee you're losing a lot of weight and you look great but what are you doing? Because your complexion looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was experiencing all different kind of an energy. I had so much energy. It was it was incredible. I think that it speaks volumes that it was the men who were commenting <laughs> on your skin. Because most times, like, we're going to be like, even if we think it, we're not going to say it. It's like, and then we just kind of keep on walking. But your complexion must have changed so dramatically that it was like, holy cow I gotta tell Chris like whatever she's doing keep it up yeah I mean I wasn't going around asking people for any feedback I mean it was completely unsolicited and genuine Um, and I did hear from other people in the study group that they reported I mean I've heard reports about you know like acne clearing up and um, I did have a facial at some point (laughs) and um, the person who did the facial I said why why is it so fast and she goes well there's really nothing your complexion is so clear there's nothing to you know really do so I mean it was evident Did you get a discount then I should (laughs) (laughs) I should have asked for one Um, so over the course of the 16 weeks how much weight did you lose exactly I lost a total from like from the February, you know, eighth or the fifteenth till mm-hmm. the May. I can't remember the last end date of the sixteen weeks. I lost a total of twenty two pounds. Right, and this was February to May of last year of twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is like you're you're right at your anniversary here as yeah. we as we tape this. Huh? Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, and it it seems to me like you've you've maintained that and and then some, right? I never look back. I continued to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being plant-based. You know, my boyfriend always calls me um, PBD, you know, for plant-based diet. Yeah. Um, and I love that term because it's inclusive instead of, you know, saying, you know, what I don't eat. Um, but I'm exclusively plant-based. And um, it's just, it's fun. And it's easy. Um, the The study gave you so many tips and ideas. I mean, we had 
grocery store tours. We watched a movie and you could bring, like I brought my boyfriend one night, I brought my dad one night, I brought one of my good friends and coworkers another night. They teach you how to cook, they do food demonstrations. Um, it just, and then once you see, it, it's wonderful for health, but it's also wonderful for the environment and it's wonderful to help the animals. And once you see and learn about the food production and what happens to the animals and what the food that's unnecessary does once it hits your body, it's a no-brainer. And you're like, yeah. I can't unlearn and unsee what I saw, and I never want to go back. The, that's the thing about the vegan diet, the plant-based diet, is it really is all-encompassing. It really is. It's good for compassion. It's good for the environment. It's phenomenal for health. And as you said, I don't think that the majority of people realize that they're getting that trifecta when they sign up like it's one of the three that motivates people to get there and then the other two are just like big eye-opening bonuses absolutely and there were people in the study who had been on maybe you know don't quote me because i can't remember exactly but maybe like a mild blood pressure medication or maybe a mild diabetes issue and mm -hmm. their number everything was improving and, yeah you know it was just incredible um and speaking of numbers i, I want to ask you about yours because it was not just the weight loss for you. I mean, your health improved soup to nuts. I, I think that you mentioned that it was your cholesterol in particular that was was really just so promising the results were. That's right, Chuck, and I actually wrote it down, so I made sure I got it right. My In January 2017, when I was tested, um, my total cholesterol was 230. Mm -hmm. In May, when I was tested at the end of the study, it went down to 161. Yeah, well done. Well done. So that's total. Uh, what about the LDL? The LDL went from 140 to 98, and that's just 16 weeks, mm -hmm. four short months. And then bonus, I lost 5% fat, I gained 5% muscle, and I improved my resting metabolic rate by 100 calories. So that means that I can burn 100 extra calories at resting rate. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you were to be commended. You did something that few people I think at least in my experience were able to do and that is lose the fat but gain the muscle at the same time everybody starts out and they say that you know when they they go on a, a diet you know let me just put that in quotes diet um, but you you managed to do that and and personally I believe that that's because this is such a healthy way of eating your body is getting exactly what it is that it needs and you're not starving yourself you're not depriving yourself of any nutrients correct me if I'm wrong you really weren't even calorie counting during this study were you we weren't we weren't asked to calorie count um, what the way I liked to remember the way we were taught the way I internalized it was two three four five we needed to have every day a minimum of two servings of legumes, mm -hmm. three servings of fruits, four servings of vegetables, and five servings of whole grains. And there was no limit. So if I wanted to have eight fruits, I could. But as long as I had my three fruits, you know, I was, I was doing okay. I want to get serious with you for a moment. And this is something that I, I ask all of my fellow weight loss successes when they come on the show. Describe to me how the conversation with yourself is different now when you look in the mirror because you change inside and out and the way that you feel about yourself is so different 
and that leads to such a different conversation. So when you wake up in the morning and you look in that mirror, what's that conversation now like compared to what it was? Oh gosh, Chuck, you, you, you got me there. I mean, it's not just about weight. It's, it's, I just see the whole me now as, because I know what I'm doing is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just look at all the equations. I mean, I know I'm eating healthy, healthily. I'm eating the right things as long as I'm, you know, moving and doing some form of exercise. I'm not beating myself up anymore. Right. You know, I, I look in the mirror and I feel like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Love thyself, right? Yeah. Um, one of the cool side effects for me also was, I guess I just became more optimistic. Um, overall you know for for all things i don't really buy into this doom and gloom um i don't get caught up in that because what i know for a fact now is that i have proven that change can occur i have proven that to myself so therefore if there are other things in the world that i feel need to be changed i feel as though they can and it's no longer a hopeless situation and i would add to that actually this is a key this is actually almost more of a key for me than looking in the mirror stress has been taken out of my life in a major way because I know what I'm doing is right and so every day when you see you know the newest fad the paleo the keto and and in the past I would say oh my gosh let me jump on that maybe I better do that and then all the stress comes I know you know what Dr. Barnard taught me I, I know what Dr. Kaliova taught us in the study what to follow I know the basics of a good healthy diet and I don't have to worry about jumping on the newest bandwagon because this is the bandwagon do you feel like um, with all the talk about plant-based diets and, and being vegan in the news now that some naysayers kind of do feel like this is this is a fad and, and how would you even go about, you know, talking to people? Like, as, as you said before we started recording, we can't go around trumpeting vegan diet, vegan diet, vegan diet. You know, how, how do you even begin that dialogue? That's a great question. I mean, for example, while I was in the study, a friend texted me um, a study that shows that plants have feelings, too. They know that when they're about to be eaten and they release some... Um, you know, seed that goes downwind, like when the giraffes are eating them, to warn the other plants that they might be in danger. Um, so I think the dialogue is to just sort of be, you know, gracious and stand in your own truth and, and lead by a law of attraction rather than a law of trumpeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think... Um, I mean, I think when the Game Changers comes out to a wider release and people see that what athletes can do on this, um, and when you kind of maybe mention an anecdote when it's appropriate, like the story that we heard in the study, um, where it was either in Maine or New Hampshire, where residents of the town were calling the police and they were hearing these horrendous moans and cries that sounded like people were being abused or children were being abused. And the police went and investigated, and it turned out it was the sound of baby calves being separated from their mothers. Mm. And when you think of that, that sadness, if you don't, if that doesn't make you sad, then imagine that you're ingesting, even if you just drink milk. I mean, the whole thing is artificial insemination, and it's we're not meant to drink that milk. Right. So, 
you know, if you just share things along the way, little bits and pieces, and I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here to stay. Let me let me wrap with this. This is always a fun question that I like to ask. So you gain this confidence. You get this new lease on life, as you were. You're looking through it through a new set of eyes. What do you want to be when you grow up, Chris? <laughs> I mean, you can do anything now. The world is truly your oyster. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, you put me on the spot. I want to be, I would like to live in the present moment and be able to, you know, be inclusive and have everybody's voice heard and have the truth win. Right on. I dig it. You're all right. You're real. I love that. You may be the realest guest that we've had on this show yet. You want to live in the truth. That's a first on this show. That is a first on this show. I appreciate what you bring to the table, mm, young thank lady. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so very much for, for sharing your story. I just, I could not be prouder of you and the way that you've taken this ball and you've run with it. And I know how involved you continue to be with the Physicians Committee. And I have so much respect for you. It's infinite. So thank you. Thank you, Chuck. The Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll on Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. The Physicians Committee also on Instagram at Physicians Committee and Twitter at PCRM. Very easy to follow. Lots of good information on there and so inspirational. So if you want to learn something, you want to be inspired, those are the accounts that you want to follow. Spoke earlier on the show with registered dietitian Maggie Neola, who gave us the ins and outs of the dangers of eating eggs. Of course, we're all taught that um, they're healthy and growing up and they're just doesn't seem to be any truth to that. So the question is, if we're not eating eggs and eggs are a breakfast and a baking staple, what can we do to replace them in recipes? So to answer that question, I am welcoming to the show for the first time, making her debut, a budding nutrition guru and a colleague here at the Physicians Committee, Miss Sierra Coppage. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's like my first time. I'm like really excited. You, so. sh you should be. The hair screams excitement to me. I yes. love the hair. Yes, I love the color. I've always wanted to be a redhead, so. I'm digging it. Like mm -hmm. you've got this whole Lucille Ball vibe <laughs> happening. Like it's it's, it's really Thank you. cool. Thank you very much. So if you're hearing this on iTunes, head over to uh, pcrm.org slash podcast simply so you can see Sierra's hair. Yes. Um, it is phenomenal. Now, you are a mother. You you have a newborn at home, correct? Well, not a newborn. She's actually a toddler now. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're almost close to two. Oh, ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. She she makes cameos in the meetings yes. uh, here when yes. you're working off site. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that as a mother, you also do your fair share of cooking, correct? Of course, every day. Every, right. Unfortunately for me. <laughs> so you <laughs> you know the plight of the person that's just going plant-based and you have 18 and 1 million recipes mm -hmm. and they all call for eggs, but now we're trying to take them out of our diet. What are we going to do? Exactly. So yeah. what what do you do in your kitchen? Like what what's your go-to, your personal go-to? Hmm. As far as like egg substitutes, egg substitute. That's all I care about in this okay. segment. Okay. Egg well, we can do that. Um, let's see. So for my substitute for for eggs in our kitchen at home, it really honestly depends on the meal that we're cooking. And so like for breakfast, if we're going to do breakfast, and I'm like, oh man, you know, what could we use in replace for an egg? 
I'm going to go to a chickpea scramble. Mm. So I'm typically going to use like chickpea flour. I'll take that, um, the flour, add a little bit of like water to it, scramble it up, and then I'll just kind of put it on the stove and kind of cook it as you would like scramble eggs. And it's really that simple. Add a couple of seasonings to it and you're done. I've I've never, I, I mean, maybe I have heard of that. I, I hear more the tofu scramble. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what seasonings do you put in there? So I'll typically just do like salt. Salt and I'll um, Celtic salt and I'll do like maybe some black pepper. Um, really simple. Right. Like I, we don't really like. I kind of keep things simple for the baby just because we want her to eat the food. Uh-huh. And sometimes <laughs> yeah, when you, yeah, right. when you add different spices, they're kind of like, oh no thanks, I don't really want to eat that. Right. So we just stay like really simple with like the salt and pepper. That's cool. And it, it tastes comparable to egg. I mean, it's yeah. Been I mean, a the consistency time. is great. It looks literally exactly like the egg would look. Chick- because it's like the yellow. You like the flour is yellow. So chickpea powder, a little bit of water, mm-hmm. pinch yeah. of salt, chickpea pinch flour. of pepper, yep. and, you're, and you're good to go. Yep. Who knew? Exactly. I know. Really Learn, simple. Learn something new mm-hmm. every day. All right. So if chickpeas aren't your thing, I know that there are so many other options yes. out there. Um, what's another one that you're familiar with? So um, if you're trying to cook breakfast, you know, if you don't want to have that chickpea scramble, you can definitely substitute um, tofu. Mm. So tofu is a really, really great option for an egg substitute. It's going to give you the protein that you're looking for as you would get in an egg. Um, And it's like different types of, um, so you have like firm tofu, you have the soft tofu, and it really depends on like the consistency you're looking for. Um, I would go kind of maybe like in the middle um, where you have like the, between like the soft and the firm, you can kind of use that consistency for the scrambled uh, egg substitute. But that's really a good option, tofu. And then you would, a lot of people will add too to it to give it that yellow coloring um but yeah and you can just kind of season that however you like i was just going to ask about the 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 coloring in there because i think that uh you you would kind of want that that Mm -hmm. yellow you you know if especially if you're just becoming a vegan like you're going to want those familiar things that familiar mouthfeel even exactly Um, so tofu is is something that uh, i'm familiar with and it is quite tasty Uh, by the by Mm -hmm. recently interviewed a professional wrestler and i I issue this challenge now to everybody that i interview um, for my wrestling columns i'm such a nerd whatever um I ask them what is their favorite meal, mm-hmm. and what I do then is I've, I've bit the vegan this name, and I do the segment called Vegan This. So this one particular wrestler, a gentleman who was in WWE, wrestled under the name of Jack Swagger. He was just eating breakfast, and he was like, "Man, my wife makes the most incredible breakfast." Like he runs down the the whole thing, so it's like scrambled eggs, ham, toast, you know, glass of milk, like you know mm-hmm. the traditional. Yeah, but course. I mean, you know, he's a big guy, so it's just like big portion. So mm-hmm. I'm like, "All right, dude, here's what we're gonna do." I'm going to veganize this meal right. for you, and I will get you the recipe. You try it, and if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. Um, so I might enlist you for a little bit of help of putting this tofu sure. scrambled together. I'd love to help. Yeah, yeah. that would be pretty cool. Enjoy it. Um, we have a million and one other substitutes that are up on PCRM.org. Uh, we're going to put this up on the podcast page as well. Um, there is one that really crossed my eye that I found mm-hmm. fascinating that I hadn't heard of. Okay. And it's a fruit. Really? Could you be possibly thinking about apples? Is that or maybe banana? There you go. Okay. Okay. Yes, banana. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't even. I would assume that this is primarily for a baking dish, and maybe it's just for thickening here. But 
it's like literally a half a banana, right? Yes, yes. Actually, this is one of the substitutes that I use a lot. I love it. Um, it, it also kind of gives you that banana flavor. Mm-hmm. So I'll typically use like banana if I'm going to be baking something or maybe even in pancakes, I'll typically use like a banana sus- substitute. Um, but it's really simple. Literally, you just take a banana and you mash it up and half of a banana. And it really depends on the recipe as well. So like right. depending on how many eggs the recipe calls for, you may actually even use a whole banana. Right. Um, but literally, that's it. You just take the banana, you mash it up and you're done. Like do, that's your egg substitute. Do you find that the food then takes on a banana flavor? It depends on what you're cooking, honestly, in the baking dish. Sometimes it, it will. Sometimes it's not enough. Um, I'll kind of step ahead a little bit, but so I make like a great cornbread recipe Ooh. and of course that calls for eggs and so I'll typically use like applesauce in that and the the cornbread doesn't come out like tasting like apples mm. so it, right. it really depends all right I got a huge favor because you mentioned cornbread and that just spoke right to the southerner <laughs> in me it's like you got to bring me a little slice of that cornbread okay right. I will I will That's yeah it's really good I have two versions of it one of them which I won't tell what the substitute is because it's like my my go-to recipe, oh, and I think, like, I, I think at some point I would like to put this in stores. Like, it's okay. really that good. Like, someone Ooh. told me that I should like open a restaurant and have and sell this because it's that great. Girl, you yeah. done built it up now. You yeah. can't disappoint me. So you know, I won't tell everyone. Okay, but it is it. listed on the website. Uh, the secret <laughs> is there. Okay, that's funny. Um, you mentioned apples, applesauce. I'm familiar mm-hmm. with, especially yes. like applesauce cakes. Um, what about like a like a plant-based yogurt? Yeah, yogurts would be great as well. You can use like soy yogurt. They have plenty of plant-based yogurts now. You have like the the coconut yogurt or the almond yogurt. Um you can definitely use a yogurt. It's like that consistency is what we're looking for. You mm-hmm. know that yogurt is really like the same consistency of what an egg would, you know, be like in any type of dish. So you can use that in baking, which would be great, a great substitute. So in baking are eggs really just kind of like Binders? I don't, yeah, yeah, they hold the eggs is what holds things together and it also adds the moisture. Right. Yep. Now, here's the cool thing on the nutritional front everything that we've mentioned so far has zero cholesterol. Right. And the eggs, as you know, now studying up on uh, on nutrition, I mean, they they just have a ton of, of cholesterol here. So yeah. y- you're not just getting creative. You're you're reaping some serious health benefits. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're looking to, you know, replace eggs, which a lot of people are, you know, they want to kind of limit their cholesterol intake. That's definitely one way to do it is, you know, to go towards an egg substitute. Mm-hmm. So. So you like the flaxseed. I know that for a fact. Yes. That's a a constant in pancakes is it yes so uh, break this down so if uh if uh, the recipe calls for one egg mm-hmm. in the pancake batter how mm-hmm. much flaxseed would you put so in there? what i'll typically do is i'll use a tablespoon of flax um meal mm-hmm. and then i'll pour that in a bowl and then i will either sometimes you can do two tablespoons of water or sometimes it'll be three i've seen like different um on the internet it's like different measurements for it but it really depends on how I'm feeling that day. I'll either use two tablespoons of water or three. And then you kind of let that sit for like five minutes so that it gets that consistency of an egg. And you kind of just mix it into your recipe. It's like that simple. That's awesome. Yeah. See, man, and, and that's the thing. So real quick before we wrap this up, I, you know, I see like a really long list here from the website um, that you've reviewed and, and sent over to me. Um, another interesting one is mashed potatoes, uh, white or sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yes. Perfect. I, I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, you can get so creative on exactly. the plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Like, it really forces you to become a culinary expert, and you probably weren't expecting that when you first became vegan. 
Exactly. And I mean, if you have like kids, family at home, you're trying to get the family to eat healthier. These are like ways that you can kind of add in those healthy options Mm -hmm. to like dishes that, you know, your kids wouldn't or your husband or wife would normally eat Mm -hmm. otherwise. So you can sneak foods into health foods in. All right. Um, So we're going to put this full list up on PCRM.org slash podcast. I think there's uh, about a dozen or so substitutes Mm -hmm. on here. Some of them, I mean, just mind blowing. Tomato paste is another one. Tomato paste. Who knew? Right. Who? I didn't I didn't know about that one. I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, really? Okay, cool. I kind of find it hard <laughs> to think that you could make a pancake with tomato paste, but, you know, uh, whatever. I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't try that personally, but maybe someone has a thing for tomato pancakes. Uh, throw, throw some basil in there, too. <laughs> right, you know. You know? Um, spaghetti pancakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sierra, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're uh, you're plenty involved in uh, the Vegan This project that yes. we have here at the Physicians Committee. Yes. Um, so if you're in the, the D.C. area on, what is it, the third Tuesday of every yes, month? Yes, the third Tuesday of every month. Um, come on down. Um, I know that uh, you and I have done a segment on there. I think that uh, you're you're a regular uh, on that show now, aren't you? I don't know. You know, we've we've changed things up a little. So, well, you should be. <laughs> I, I'm going to go lobby on your behalf. Okay. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll make some signs. We'll walk through the hallway. It'll okay. be great. All right. You're listening to the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Well, we learned quite a few things today. We learned about what eggs do to health. We learned about cholesterol. We also learned about how industries will sometimes kind of work around the back doors of science to try to push their agenda in a way that's confusing to the public. But but I have to say, I do think that the public's not foolish, and doctors are certainly not, and, and the truth about eggs and cholesterol in general and unhealthy foods really is coming out. And that's really our mission here at the exam room is to share good health information for you to to use. Let me encourage you, please, to share this information with other people. Uh, Do subscribe on iTunes. Please give the show a five-star rating so that other people will share your enthusiasm. And thank you for listening.